Thank you everyone for coming. We're continuing our reading from the Bhagavat Sandarbha of Srila Jiva Goswami. Tonight we'll commence with the 85th Anucheda. Dhruva Maharaj accepts Bhagavan as superior to Brahman. We see here that Srila Jiva Goswami continues with his pounding of the post, Stuna Nikanana Nyaya, making sure that we understand how exactly the Brahman conception is associated with the personality of the Absolute Truth and how to properly understand the Tattva of the Absolute Truth when it comes to the verse from the Bhagavatam upon which the Tattva, Bhagavat, and Paramatma Sandarva is primarily focused. Vedanti Tat Tattva Vidas Tattvam Yaj Janan Advayam Brahmati Paramatmati Bhagavan Iti Sabjate. So Jiva continues. <clears throat> Dhruva Maharaj also testified to this, this being the relationship between Bhagavan and Brahman. For though he was just a boy, he spoke the truth as it was revealed to him when the Supreme Lord touched his cheeks with his conch, which is the personification of the Vedic revelation or sub-Brahman. In this way, by the description of the Lord's astonishing blissful attributes, he stated that ultimate completion belongs only to Bhagavan. Uh, the point being made here by Jiva is that Dhruva Maharaj, being only five years old, was not well educated in the conclusions of the Vedas, but he was given all that conclusive knowledge through the blessing of the conch of Vishnu. So he didn't, he didn't have, he hadn't studied Shastra. He hadn't arrived at these conclusions through self-realization or through study of, of scripture or through the direction of his guru. It basically was imparted instantaneously to him. So he immediately became all the all the conclusions of the Vedas were revealed to him in the instance that the Lord touched his cheeks with his conch shell. So this is a, a verse that Dhruva spoke that Jiva's using as the pramana or the evidence uh, for the point uh, being made, which is Bhagavan is a superior conception of the absolute truth than Brahman. So Dhruva prays, the bliss relished by embodied beings through meditation on your lotus feet or by hearing the stories of your devotees is not available even in Brahman. Although it is your own magnificence 
How then can this be enjoyed by the Davis who fall down from their airplanes, which are pulverized by the sword of death? This is a profound statement that Dhruva Maharaj is making for a five-year-old boy that's never been schooled in Vedic knowledge. All of a sudden, you know, he's offering prayers. But this was his desire. He came into the to the presence of the Lord and and he offered obeisances and then he wanted to offer some prayers, but he didn't have the facility. He didn't have any the mental wherewithal or any background in the nature of what God is all about. But still, by this blessing, he immediately was enlightened. So Jiva goes on, the phrase, in your own magnificence, Swamahimani, means even in your extraordinary glory, Mabut, through an imperative form, it should not be, simply means, it, such bliss, is not available. Antakasi, the sword of death, means time. He's basically just looking at the verse and pointing out some of the uh, significance of the Sanskrit words used therein. So the story of Dhruva, I'm sure you're all familiar with. King Uttanapada uh, had two sons by two different wives. And of the two wives, one named Saruchi was more favored by the king. And at one point, uh, the son of Saruchi uh, crawled up onto the lap of the king, and Dhruva wanted to join him there. So he also proceeded to crawl up on the lap of the king, and he was he was told in no uncertain terms by the favored wife, uh, Saruchi, uh, that if you want to crawl onto the lap of your Father, you're going to have to take birth from my womb. So he was kind of devastated by that statement. He took a shelter of his mother, Suniti, and asked, Is there anybody more powerful than my father? <laughs> I'll take shelter of him. I can't take shelter of my father. So is there anybody more powerful? And she said, Well, I've heard that the Lord is more powerful than everyone. Well, where can I find him? <laughs> and uh, she said, well, I've heard he resides in the forest. So he said, well, that's where I'm going. And he headed out of the palace at the uh, ripe old age of five to seek out this Lord and uh, and satisfy his desires. And by the arrangement of providence, he met uh, a spiritual master, uh, Narada Muni, and Narada imparted to him mantra. And first he tried to instruct him practically, this is not for you. You're a little young for this process of self-realization. Why don't you go back home and wait a few years? And Dhruva, being of the Kshatriya nature, would have nothing to do with it. 
he was already fully determined, I'm going to contact this greater personality, the Lord, and, and, and take shelter of him. I want to have, uh, I want to have what my stepbrother has, but I want to have it uh, in a way that uh, supersedes uh, what he's received from our father, which is his shelter. So Narda did impart mantra to him and said, okay, good luck. And Dhruva Maharaj went seriously about chanting the mantra and uh, performing very uh, severe austerities for such a young age. Actually, very severe austerities for any age. <laughs> so he, he, uh, he quit eating, basically, over a six-month period. He, he quit. At the end, he was only breathing for the last month. All he took was breath for sustenance. All this is explained in the Bhagavatam. And it's a very interesting story. So the Lord finally appeared before Dhruva Maharaj and Dhruva Maharaj offered obeisances and as I said he wanted to offer prayers. Uh, he didn't have the ability to because he had no background in Vedic knowledge so therefore the Lord blessed him with his conch and the Lord's conch is the personification of all the Vedas and all transcendental knowledge. So it acted like a touchstone and Dhruva began to recite prayers immediately upon being touched by this touchstone. So in all these prayers that Dhruva gave, are the uh, they represent the Vedic conclusions. So Jiva is going to this one prayer and he's saying, this is the conclusion of the Vedas. And don't think that because it came from the mouth of a babe, it doesn't carry any transcendental weight. It carries all transcendental weight and this is the reason why. So, um, stories, the basic point being even stories about the Lord, his Leela, or even the glorification of his devotees is superior to what's available in realization of Brahman. Stuna Nikana Na Nyaya, more pounding in of the post. Next Anucheta, 86, devotees do not desire liberation. So, Jiva Goswami continues with a verse from the third canto. Sri Kapila further indicates the superiority of Bhagavan over Brahman by stating that the Lord's devotional service is superior to the supreme perfection of merging in Brahman. Kasa's devotional service unto Lord, the Supreme Lord is the greater significance, is of greater significance than Siddhi. Now Sridhar Swami, then Jiva says, and Sridhar Swami glosses, they use, this term glosses is used 
repeatedly, meaning this is, when we think of glosses, generally we think this is glossed, glossed over. It's kind of just treated incidentally, but it's exactly, it also can be used in exactly the opposite meaning. It's not that it's not right. What do you mean, cover it up? Well, I think like gloss over something means to kind of cover it, cover it up, skip over it. In this, in this instance, it means more like shine a light on it. Shine a light on it. Yeah. Right. Yes. And, and give your and define it, right? Mm-hmm. Use another word for like a like glossary. Center. Right. Yeah, like glossary. There you go. Yeah. Very good. Sridhar Swami's glossary for the word city here is liberation. So city is used in the verse, of course. Uh, Bhagavan Nama Kamudi also states city means either knowledge or liberation. So then Jiva closes the Anucheda by saying that this Bhagavan Nama Kamudi Transcend spiritual literature, bhakti literature, uh, states that uh, city means either knowledge or liberation. So Krishna says, one who has, this is from the Bhagavatam in his discussion with Uddhava, uh, the following verse, one who has surrendered the true self unto me does not desire anything other than me not the position of Sri Brahma or the kingdom of Indra, mastery over the earth or sovereignty over the netherworlds. He seeks not the paranormal powers of yoga nor liberation from birth and death. A pure devotee considers all heaven, hell, liberation, they're all equal. There's no distinction there for the pure devotee. And Lord Shiva confirms this in the 6th canto, 17th chapter. The devotees who are completely dedicated to Sri Narayan do not fear anything at all. They regard all circumstances as equal, whether it be promotion to heaven, liberation from material existence, or dwelling in hell. They're all equal. Imagine the consciousness of, a, of, a, of someone that spiritually advanced. Well, whatever my next birth is, it could be in heaven, it could be in hell, I could be liberated, it's all the same. So you again this just accentuates repeatedly the the position of having um any appreciation for for Bhagavan and the recipro reciprocal exchange of affection that's felt, the love that's felt, the praying that's felt by Krishna's devotee is so significant that um, anything else, even up to the point of liberation, is really of no interest. Liberation being comparable to the, to the water contained in the hoof print of a calf as opposed to the uh, the vast uh, volume of an ocean. 
Brahman merges one in an undifferentiated mass of pure awareness. This dissolves altogether the possibility of exploring the post-liberated development of transcendental love. Thus, it is a paradoxical, in a paradoxical sense, dooms one eternally. I mean, that's really the position. Imagine you are, you are merged in an undifferentiated mass of pure awareness. That's Brahman realization. But you're merged in it. It's like... Are you aware that you're aware? You. Well, you're aware. You're in, you are in complete consciousness. But you're in complete consciousness of full awareness without distinction. Because the awareness is that there's no distinction between you and that spiritual substance. You are that spiritual substance. So you are everything. And everything's you. There's no distinction. There's no qualification. Well, then it seems like you're not aware that you're aware because you would just be aware. Right, you're just aware. Like no. we're aware that we're aware. You're cognition. But that is... What, what do we say? We say sat-chit-ananda. Eternal, cognizant, and blissful. But in the case of Brahman, the blissfulness extends up to the fact that there's no, extends from the fact that there's no more involvement in material nature. It's, it's hard to conceive of what that Brahman must be, but you can imagine that in deep sleep we get some preview. We're completely, there's no, nothing disturbs you in deep sleep. Not the dreaming portion of sleep, but in deep sleep, what they call. But you're not even conscious. You're aware you were you had a good sleep when you're you when you again come to your senses. So there was something there. As we learned earlier, knowing that you had a good rest. Yeah, they never wake up. <laughs> so I, that's the point you're making. I understand. Yeah, it's. Pure awareness. It's just like a obliteration of everything. Well, I don't think we, I don't think we can infer what it's like, yeah. because we haven't experienced it yet. And we, the closest we've come to Brahman realization, revelation, is deep sleep, according to Shastra. Mm -hmm. That's the closest you're going to come. Uh, now we've also been there in a state like. Brahman when at the end of every universe and at the end of every day of Brahma. So I mean, you know, as I was explaining in an earlier class, we look at it total, we're in Brahman more than we're in material existence. 
I mean, Brahma sleeps as long as he's awake, and, you know, the material existence comes from Lord Vishnu, and then it then it's wrapped up. So, you know. And then during our night, every night, we sleep at night. And so for some short period of that, we're we're merged in in a, a state of, of of deep deep sleep, which is comparable to Brahman. So we have a lot of experience of what it is like to some extent. We can't remember it because there's nothing really to remember. That's basically it from our point, from our viewpoint, and our aspiration to be. To have a relationship with the Supreme in his personal form, yeah, there's not a lot there. It's like the water and the hoofprint of, you know, and they throw out numbers like millions, trillions, quadzillions. I mean, there's no comparison. Rupa Goswami says, you know, you can't, it's millions of times more enjoyable to have a relationship with the Supreme than to simply merge into the Brahman effulgence. Bibble Mangal Thakur writes in his Krishna Karnamrita, O Bhagavan, if ever my devotion for you should attain steadiness, then by the great then by divine grace, your form as a supernaturally beautiful boy will appear before me. When this, when that happens, liberation will stand at my door with folded hands, waiting to serve me, while all the other goals of life, Dharma, Artha, and Kama personified, patiently await their turn. So this, uh, we mentioned earlier in the verse Jiva Goswami refers to this uh, Bhagavan Nama Kamudi. Uh, and it's a book by uh, Lakshmidhar of the Sri Sampradaya on the science and philosophy of chanting the holy name. So if you want to store that in here. While commenting, on the, while commenting on the present verse, he writes, causeless devotional service, this Pandit Lakshmi Dar, under the Supreme Lord is, the greater, is of greater significance than Brahma Gyan. Moving right along. 87th Anacheda. Brahman is not independent of Bhagavan. Jiva Goswami writes, In this way, the Supreme Lord Bhagavan is the complete absolute truth, the Kanda Tattva. For some practitioners who are ineligible to realize him fully, he manifests in a generic way. And that incomplete vision is called Brahman. 
Sri Kapila Dave clearly explains this in two verses. These verses are coming from the third canto, 32nd chapter. Both the Gyan Yoga, that is free of the Gunas, and the Yoga that is focused on me and characterized by devotion, have one aim, which is indicated by the word Bhagavan. A single object is appreciated differently by the different senses due to its having many qualities. Similarly, the one Bhagavan appears variously according to the different paths followed in the scriptures. Yiviko Swami now then quotes in this Anucheta from Sridhar Swami in commenting on this verse from the Bhagavatam. So we see he uses Sridhar Swami's commentary pretty extensively. Uh, and that, of course, is, again, I mean, he has the writings of, of Rupa and Sanatan, which to him would be much more at that, for his, from his viewpoint, would be much more significant. But we have to look to the purpose of the author. And therefore, for his audience, you would, he, it's more appropriate to, call, to, to use the older commentator on the Bhagavatam, which is more appreciated generally in the spiritual circles, which are the audience for his Sandarbhas. I may have an article that I want to write, and if the audience of the article is contemporary Vaishnavs, to be quite frank, the majority of contemporary Vaishnavs are, are coming in, in the line of A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada. If because of that and his, his the influence of his commentaries on the on the Srimad Bhagavatam in human society at this time, although I may personally feel that for the particular point I want to make, Vishwanath is closer because Prabhupada sometimes wrote, especially this Bhagavatam commentary in a very general way, whereas course in his Chaitanya Charitamriti he writes in a very specific uh, rasic tone I think you would say but his Bhagavatam is, is for I think what we could say it's a Bhagavatam for the masses and not be too far from the mark for the masses of westerners which is extremely unique and a, and a, and a tremendous uh, contribution to human society so if I'm writing, though, I'm better to quote Prabhupada's Bhagavatam and Prabhupada's uh, Tika, his commentary, in order to contact the current audience, even though 
as I said, I may feel another commentary would would more be more appropriate. But if I'm writing a general presentation, circumstance, cultural circumstance, and the audience I'm writing to, if the article was a general article of introduction uh, intended for uh, new practitioners, So this is, you can see the point I'm trying to make in the fact that um, Sridhar Swami is used so much by Jiva Goswami in his Sandarbha as 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 an authorized. And also, there's also another reason we can see in this, and that is the fact that Sridhar Swami, in his commentary, does give some leniency to the Advaita Vad conception. And Jiva Goswami alluded to this in the uh, in the Tattva Sandarva, did he not? He said, I will be using Sridhar Swami's Bhagavatam as evidentiary and to support what I'm putting forward in my Sandarvas where it does not conflict with the Bhagavan conception of the absolute truth. I'm not going to quote his impersonalistic, his impersonal commentaries uh, because, of course, they, they do, that's, that he did, and then he, he doesn't really get into, you know, the fact that he was trying to capture people, Sridhar Swami himself. So Sridhar Swami comments, The purpose of this verse is to show that Bhagavan alone is the entity to be attained by Jnana Yoga. Just as he alone is the entity to be attained by Bhakti Yoga, Jnana Yoga, which is free from the Gunas and the Yoga that is characterized by devotion unto me, both have the same aim, the same ultimate end. What is that end? That which is expressed by the word Bhagavan. This is stated in the Bhagavad Gita, 12th chapter. Engaged in the welfare of all beings, the followers of the Gyan path attains unto only me. Sridhar Swami continues, but an objection could be raised. But from the scriptures we learn that the result of Jnana Yoga is attainment of the self, Atma Labha, whereas that of Bhakti Yoga is attainment of Ishvara, the personalized self. So Jnana Yoga you attain realization of yourself what the essence of your being is. And bhakti yoga, you attain, your attainment is that of serving the supreme self who is meant to be worshipped. So how can both be said to have the same goal? Anticipating this doubt, Sri Kapila offers the following example. Then it goes on to 
Kapila Day's explanation from the Bhagavatam. Though milk is one substance, it is a repository of many qualities, such as form and taste, and thus appears differently when perceived by the different senses. For example, to the eyes it appears white. To the tongue it appears sweet, and to touch it is cool. In the same way, Bhagavan is one, yet is experienced differently in accordance with the viewing capacity. Here ends Sridhar Swami's comments. Jiva goes on a little bit here. Here Bhagavan is singled out as the complete manifestation inclusive of all parts. Therefore, in this example, Bhakti Yoga is compared to the mind in its capacity to fully ascertain an object through analysis and integration of each of its parts. What's Jiva saying here? When it comes to a complete understanding of milk, we have to go to the mind. The mind assimilates from the eyes, seeing the whiteness of milk, and the tongue, tasting the sweetness of milk, and touch, experiencing the coolness of milk. So for the most complete conception of milk, well, let's take the amalgamation of all of those, and that's in the mind where we have what's what are the characteristics of milk. So the conception of, of milk in the mind is being compared to the Lord, you know? It's compared to bhakti. To bhakti. Yes. The bhakti conception is the complete conception. Okay. The Brahman conception can be compared to a less complete conception perceived by one of the senses. Um, it's just like if you had two blind men going and you took them to an elephant. Oh, yes. Okay, so one, you would point and let them touch the leg and the other the tail. So the one that touched the leg is going to say, an elephant? Well, from what I experienced of the elephant, it's a big pillar. And the one, the other would say, well, from what I experienced, it's a stout, strong rope. So they have two different experiences of the same object, neither being complete. One who actually has sight can see, well, he has a lot more to him. He has big floppy ears and... <laughs> He has a big Long. trunk, and it's really big, bigger than the column that you think. He has four of those columns. So Krishna, of course, explains this in the Bhagavad Gita. Yayatamam prapadyante tamstatayvabhajamyam. All of them, uh, as they surrender unto me, uh, exactly in accordance with their essential with their surrender I I reveal myself and this is significant for the sadhika for this well for the transcendentalist aspiring for 
for transcendental knowledge, you want to seek out that spiritual master, that sadhu, and that association, which you can see has the most complete conception, according to your what's being offered. Uh, our conclusion is bhakti offers the most, has the most to offer. So that line is the most complete. Go ahead. Isn't there also, like Gomer explains a lot of time that Krishna really exists in the heart of the devotee. You know, so this even kind of more like that milk thing, the amalgamation of those different things exist in the mind. So Krishna exists in the heart, not so much externally, but within, just like the milk thing is actually within the mind. Yeah. But Krishna takes seed in the heart at the request of his devotee. Just like Krishna takes seat in the in the in the form of the deity at the request of the devotee. Mm-hmm. So the spiritual master is giving mantra, and by the mantra we're fulfilling we're we're showing our willingness to accept the form of the Lord into our heart that's that's there as the ideal of the spiritual master. Spiritual master is giving mantra according to what? According to his his school of thought, his his vision of the supreme, and then we're allowed to enter into that. through his mercy. Uh, Rupa Goswami says in his Lagu Bhagavata Brita, there are innumerable essential forms existing in Bhagavan. He manifests particular forms to particular worshippers <clears throat> in accordance with their mode of worship. So how do we determine our mode of worship? We follow in a disciplic succession. That disciplic succession determines our mode of worship. So here we're in the, the Brahma, Madhva, Gaudiya, Sampradaya, and there's a certain mode of worship and there's a certain Istadeva. And we're perfect, perfectly content with that. Um, very seldom, I mean, I if there was a higher conception then then maybe we go for that but we can accept we accept bhakti shastras like brihat bhagavatamrita wherein there's a confirmation through complete and absolute exploration of all available opportunities by gopakumar and where's he end up? 
he ends up in Vraj. And he did some pretty extensive exploration of all the different forms of the Supreme Lord available to a devotee of the Lord in all different locations, starting on earth and, and, and going all the way up through all the different the heavenly planets. He was Indra. He went to Maharloka, Janaloka, Satyaloka. So did he, Brahma he did become Brahma for a short time, and then he was told uh, by the deity of Brahma on his planet uh, to uh, return to Vraj, and then to from there you'll be able to attain liberation. So he went back to Vraj, and there he he did attain liberation. Was able to go through the layers of the universe. So he experienced a different deity in every location or a different form of the Lord, a different Istadeva being worshipped by so many devotees of the Lord. <clears throat> so I think anybody with uh, some discrimination and who is avails himself of the uh, what's been offered by in the wake of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu will also arrive at the same conclusion that this concept of uh, Krishna and Vrindavan cannot be beat. <laughs> so I'll stop there for this evening. Are there any questions or comments? All right, thank you so much for your association.